everyone and welcome to episode 154 of Chairside Live. We've got a great show for you today, but before we get into that, Dr. Abai, how's it going? It's going great, Megan. Good. I'm having a great week and uh, I just came back from uh, Oregon. <gasps> I had a lecture nice. and guess who was there? Um, Santa Claus. Dr. Michael DeTola. Close. Oh, very yes. close. One and the same, actually. Yes. So uh, I gave a lecture and he gave a lecture right after me. Nice. And uh, it was excellent. It was at the Oregon Academy of General Dentistry. Great. Did you guys yeah. high five? We did. We hung out afterwards. Mm -hmm. So uh, for everybody wondering, he's alive and well. Nice. Yeah. So what do you have for the case of the week? Well, the case of the week, last week we went over implant placement in the aesthetic zone. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, placing an implant in the posterior. Oh. So uh, actually uh, the patient had taking an existing implant. Yeah, taking it way back. Uh -huh. um, patient came in with an existing implant mm -hmm. and unfortunately was failing. So, uh, and the reason why it was failing is that uh, the dentist had used a stock abutment mm -hmm. and a lot of times these stock abutments are subgingival below the tissue and when you cement a crown on there, the cement extrudes and it gets between the tissue and the bone and eventually you get bone resorption. So uh, in this case, I'm gonna take you through the process of removing the implant and going all the way through to uh, placing a new one and placing a final restoration. So uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, take a look at the case of the week. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at the case of the week for this week. And in this situation, unfortunately, we have a patient who came in with uh, an implant in the area of tooth number 30. And as you can see here, the implant was placed very well, and the patient had a stock healing abutment with a cementable crown. And in this situation, unfortunately, it seems that there was some cement extrusion, and that's probably why this uh, implant ended up having so much bone loss. And as you can see in this picture, there is the ring of cement that you can see at the junction of the stock healing abutment and the final restoration. So uh, the procedure was pretty straightforward for me. I had to go in and actually remove the implant and provide the patient with a little bit of bone graft in the area. Once the implant was removed, I moved forward with the bone graft. I went ahead and opened a flap, uh, placed uh, bone graft material in this situation, again, uh, some BioOS, and let the patient heal for about four months. So uh, at the four-month period, as you can see the, the progression of the healing, I brought the patient back in for uh, the implant placement visit. A uh, flap was created in the, in the site, and you can see that the bone had healed and the patient could receive a new implant. So I went ahead and moved forward with creating my uh, osteotomy for this implant. The implant that I am replacing the previous implant with is, uh, is the Han implant. Utilizing a comb beam CT scan, I was able to measure the exact size of the implant that I wanted to utilize. So I'll make my initial osteotomy and I'll use my parallel pins to make sure that I'm in the right direction and the right angulation. And once that's confirmed with the radiograph, I'll go ahead and finish creating my osteotomy completely with different size osteotomy drills, moving up in size essentially. And once the osteotomy is fully created, you can appreciate uh, the occlusal view of the osteotomy, I'll go ahead and place the implant. So the implant is placed and usually I like to look for a higher torque value uh, to determine the stability of the implant. The implant is in place, I'll go ahead and place a healing abutment and then I will suture the tissue around the implant and the, and the healing abutment. And uh, again, essentially I'll go through a period and I'll wait 
about three to four months before bringing the patient back in for a final impression. So uh, two interrupted sutures are in place and I'll go ahead and try to create primary closure as best as I can in this situation to help with the healing. And again, a series of uh, occlusal pictures shows you the healing process over time. And once the implant has gone through a period of osteointegration, I'll bring the patient back and remove the healing cap or healing abutment and I'll seat the impression coping. And again, at this stage, I'll have my assistant take a radiograph to confirm that the impression coping is seated properly, and hopefully it is, and I'll go ahead and move forward with the final impression. Usually, I like to utilize a medium body polyvinyl siloxane material, and then pick that up with a heavy body. The reason I don't like to use light body, again, is because of the movement of the uh, impression coping and the implant analog within the impression. So I want to make sure that I have a more solid material, stronger material, to hold on to the impression coping. So once I send that to uh, the laboratory, in this situation, I prescribed a Bruxer anterior, actually. So this material is the Bruxer anterior block, uh, and it was milled right here at Glidewell Dental Laboratories. And it is strong enough for a posterior restoration with the flexural strength of between 650 to 800 megapascals. So I was comfortable creating a, uh, fabricating a final crown with the material, and I went ahead and torqued the restoration into place and placed Teflon and composite. And I'll go ahead and check the occlusion and make sure that I have the crown out of occlusion slightly. So there you can appreciate the occlusal and buccal view of the restoration and the final radiograph of the implant in place. I hope you enjoyed the uh, case of the week this week. If you'd like more information on the Han implant, please visit our website. And there is a lot of educational information on the implant and the utilization of different dental materials, such as the Bruxer anterior restoration. Thank you, and see you next week. Thank you for that, Dr. Abai. Thank you, Megan. Now let's go to a segment we like to call Viewer Mail. This week's Viewer Mail comes to us from Dr. Suda Alexander, and they write in and say, I just got an Emacs onlay made by Glidewell Laboratories. I use Reliax Unisim cement for cementation, and I have Takuso ceramic primer. Could you walk me through with the cementation protocol for this onlay? Thank you very much, Dr. Alexander. Sure, uh, Dr. Alexander, uh, this is a very good question. I get this a lot, actually. So with an Emacs crown, you actually have the option to either cement it as a, a traditional uh, crown, or you can bond uh, the crown on top of the tooth, or on the tooth. Uh, essentially, what I usually like to do is utilize a system that, uh, from beginning to end, uh, is all the, the same company, the same make. Uh, what I usually do is I utilize either uh, Multilink, Verilink, uh, Nexus 3, or uh, sometimes Panavia F2.0 to cement these crowns. And uh, that gives me the uh, peace of mind that I know the bonding system is all um, the same make and the same company. Uh, I hope that helps, and uh, what I'll do is I'll actually respond uh, to your email directly as well uh, with a little bit more detail. Awesome. Great. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Megan. Yeah. Uh, what do we have going on in the news? Well, let's check it out. A new report reveals that the global dental equipment market size is expected to reach almost $8.5 billion by 2020. A rising geriatric population with a high prevalence of age-related dental disorders is said to be contributing to the expected surge. 
as well as the frequency of teeth and cavity-related disorders in the general population, according to researchers. Lasers are predicted to grow at a lucrative rate due to high usage and rising demand. Cosmetic dentistry also is expected to grow, according to the report. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's great news, and yeah. I think uh, lasers have a big part in what we do. I wouldn't uh, uh, say that um, never use lasers, and I wouldn't say always use them, but I mm -hmm. think it's going to be a, uh, an area of growth in our field um, once we start utilizing them for the right situations. Yeah, and I, I think that it is seems like a, a, a massive expansion going up to $8.5 billion in the next four years or so, but... Um, it's good news for the dental industry, and but then bad news though because the yeah. dental industry is winning, the people are losing their teeth. <laughs> so that's what we got. What else do we have in the news? Well, new research shows that ancient Romans had better teeth than people today. The main factor: a low sugar diet. Scientists used CAT scans to examine the remains of 30 men, women, and children who were killed in Pompeii in 79 A.D. Months of research and the most startling discovery was the excellent condition of the Romans' teeth, which the researchers say is thanks to a low-sugar, fiber-rich Mediterranean diet. Lots of fruit and vegetables and a diet free of refined sugars help to keep their teeth healthy. Well, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, makes diet sense. helps a lot. And uh, I think what we eat, what we put in our bodies is going to be really important. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, refined sugars right now are... Um, probably just uh, the biggest cause of uh, premature tooth loss. Right. But that being said, um, within our population, um, in terms of people retaining their teeth, mm -hmm. uh, a lot more uh, people in their later uh, years of life are also retaining their teeth. So we have to be able to um, adjust what we do in the dental clinic to treat um, both sides of the coin there. Right. I mean, I love cookies and cake and brownies and ice cream. And how long do you have? Because I could continue. Um, <laughs> but I also love the Mediterranean diet. I love vegetables and some grilled fish. Mm. Olives. Um, olives. Mm -hmm. And eggplant. And I love hummus. Is that in the Mediterranean diet? I think it is. But um, so, yeah. So I think that the... The more that we can move as a, as a society toward a more natural diet, it'll not only help prevent other, you know, diseases, but also help our oral health as well. So well. we should take a lesson from the Romans in 79 AD and... And eat more pizza. Eat more pizza. That about wraps it up uh, for us here on episode 154 of Chairside Live. Thank you for watching and please come back next week. Thank you. See you next week. Good demonstration of things. Yeah. Yep, see? <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> now let's go to a segment we call. <laughs> I was just thinking about him just looking over to the corner. <laughs> Thank you for that, Dr. Obai. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I mean, I love cookies and cake and brownies and ice cream. And how long do you have? Because I could continue. <laughs>